Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. My name is Brian Jost. I'm a former NAMI Minnesota staff member. I live with bipolar disorder. Much of my experience at NAMI Minnesota was focused on personal recovery stories, sharing people's stories. And in this episode, I have a conversation with Lisa Nasef, who is a presenter in the NAMI In Our Own Voice program, through which she shares her personal recovery story of living with a mental illness. She discusses her diagnoses of anorexia, chronic major depression, panic and anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. This conversation is focused on her experience using cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Similar to part three of this series, the last episode with Danny Evans, in which he talked about exposure therapy as a type of CBT, Lisa also talks about exposure therapy. For some basic information and facts about CBT, please take a look at some of the fact sheets published by NAMI Minnesota, which are available for free at namimn.org. Go to the Education slash Awareness menu tab, then click on Fact Sheets. You'll see Cognitive Behavioral Therapy in the Treatment section, which is the third section of the Fact Sheets. You may also want to read the fact sheet on obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, which includes a brief description of exposure response therapy, ERT. If you want to listen to some of that instead of reading it online, go back to the previous episode with Danny Evans and listen to the intro before our conversation begins. This conversation was recorded May 14th, 2020. Thanks so much, Lisa, for being with us today and, and recording this conversation. My pleasure. Let's uh, get started by telling listeners a little bit about your connection with NAMI Minnesota and, and your involvement. Tell us more about that. Well, I, after experiencing uh, mental illness for about 35 years, I was looking to give back to make a difference to fight the stigma and I began looking for the right outlet. And NAMI was by far the most inclusive, the most wide ranging. It had programs, you know, that were unprecedented uh, in Minnesota and, I, you know, I suppose nationwide. But I started uh, as uh, in your own voice speaker and shortly thereafter, the Speakers Bureau and also joined the legislative committee. I also uh, was just so impressed with our executive director, Sue Abderholden, that I, and the programs of course, and the opportunities to make a difference, I was very excited to be a part of the NAMI organization. That's awesome. Um, and had you happened to, I don't know if you've lived in other states and had NAMI exposure in other states, or has it all been in Minnesota? I have lived in Minnesota my entire life. Okay. How did you end up trying CBT? Well, actually, uh, years ago, uh, I was in a residential treatment uh, facility for anorexia, and it. I learned about CBT. They had some worksheets 
but it was it was more of a class. It wasn't really uh, practicing or implementing that therapy. Okay. So years later, when I saw a very competent uh, psychiatrist who also acts as my therapist, uh, did not he knew I was very wary of therapy. So he did not actually say, let's try CBT. But in, in a very, um, what would you call it, subtle manner, uh, he employed all of the, you know, he, he employed that Sort of the model, tools. And, yeah. The tools and the, the, actually CBT without naming it, if you will. That's something that, yeah, that I've been curious about different people's people's different experiences like do they even know they're receiving that model of therapy or is it just sort of happening behind the scenes so that's interesting to hear yes and was it was it focused on anorexia was it focused on other specific uh, struggles that you want to share or was it just kind of general we started with my uh struggle with the disease of anorexia because at that time, I, that's, that's all I could think. My mind 24-7 was about food, weight, shape, and I thought I was my disease. But as we, you know, and it actually took years for me to, you know, change my way of thinking and, you know, identify situations, be, you know, I wasn't even in touch with emotions or feelings. So... And, and again, having to change my thinking, as I said, but I also uh, experienced chronic major depression and panic and anxiety disorder and PTSD, which, again, these this, the same steps in CBT help those situations as well. How would you, as a person receiving this therapy, how would you describe it to someone else? Well, I would describe it as almost imperative to changing the way you think about certain situations that are troubling, uh, and especially within, you know, mental illness. It is for those who I was delusional in my thinking. And so I couldn't even reshape that inaccurate negative, uh, way of thinking and I would highly recommend as I, I, I find it, you know, evidence-based, which is very important to me, uh, evidence-based care. Yeah. And that it would be a big reason why I would make that referral. So at what point did you maybe realize the model of therapy that, that was being used? Is it was sort of like behind the scenes being used? Did When did you come to understand that it was more specifically CBT? Well, that's a very good question because uh, when I was introduced to exposure therapy, I said, you know, you're, you know, in in a very um, uh, lighthearted manner, I said, what, what's your, what's your mode here? And he did mention cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, I teased him saying, you really pulled one on me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, so, it, it, you know, because I was really into um, just authenticity. Let's let's, you know, figure this out. But th- those are the that's the mode, uh, the steps 
that he did use uh, CBT. So the exposure therapy was sort of down the road in the in within the therapy, and that's when he spoke more exactly. of CBT. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, and am I correct that exposure therapy is a type of CBT? Is that right? A specific. Well, part of it uh and that yes it was it was it was part of it it was definitely uh and like i said after years of uh because of the length of my uh disease it took years for me to get to that point could you say a little bit more about that in terms of like what were the obstacles along the way for you the obstacles along the way was really identifying my delusional thinking and my, you know, I I thought I I couldn't, I was so, my thoughts were instinctive. There was no, here's A, here's B, here's C, what do you do about it? It was, you know, breaking through those, um, the inaccurate thinking or even that even convincing me that I was having inaccurate thinking and it often I mean we had to work on that and work on that until I could identify and he often used you know what would you tell your friend or Mm. would you ever talk like this to your friend Uh, which was very helpful in reshaping my thinking yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah, and because I think we're we'd probably be nicer to our friends than we are to ourselves sometimes. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely, and like I said earlier, it, with because uh, anorexia is so, it just takes over your mind and your thinking. You know, I didn't even know how to feel or what feelings were, so that was another um, breakthrough in the way of learning, learning feelings, learning emotions, uh, identifying them and what my beliefs, uh, were about these problems or, uh, breakthroughs. Yeah. So when, when, uh, you got to the point where you discussed exposure therapy with your therapist and, and then more specifically the topic of CBT was, came up and discussed, uh, was there a change for you in how, you viewed the therapy that you were receiving? Did it, it did it, the effectiveness f- seem to change for you or? It did. It did. Uh, it, very much so. At this time I was more in touch with my emotions. I was realizing, uh, the isolation, uh, caused by my anxiety and, you know, afraid to have a panic attack, leaving the house. So helping to the exposure therapy, I was getting out of the house once each day and processing those emotions and those uh, negative uh, and fearful uh, thinking and feelings was very helpful to the the process of CBT. Hmm. That's interesting. So why do you think it worked for you? Quite frankly, I think it was a willingness to get better, to, you know, join life, if you will. And it it worked because I have an amazing psychiatrist slash therapist. 
there had been, I've had many uh, negative experiences with therapy. So the trust and the technique of my provider was uh, invaluable. That's great. What are some of the greatest lessons you learned through CBT? Oh, many, many. Uh, I, I learned that I can't, that panic attacks pass. I learned how to think and breathe and realize the, the signs. Uh, the biggest and most, uh, the biggest accomplishment was changing my way of thinking about my eating disorder, about the scale and the mirror and, and counting calories and just breaking through that cycle of thinking was enormous. As I mentioned, you know, I, I thought that was my identity. So breaking through, like I said, that way of thinking was a major success and turning point. Let's talk a little bit about the COVID-19 pandemic. We're recording today is May 14th, 2020. And, and uh, since this has all been taking place on a lot of people's minds in terms of mental health and how are people going to get the help they need and what are people doing to take care of themselves. And And I'm wondering if, if you feel comfortable sharing, do you find yourself doing anything different the last, the last couple of months to take care of yourself compared to before the pandemic? And are there coping skills that you're focusing on more than others? that has been different than in the past? Um. Yes, uh, indeed. Well, I, I do continue to uh, meet with my provider via video conference weekly. Um, I find myself even continuing to use those cognitive behavioral therapy skills as isolation is a trigger for uh, many of my diagnoses. And I find myself, I got, my, my depression became a little worse. Well, you know, a little worse. It became more difficult, especially with the loss of lives. You know, suicide has increased. Um, my heart breaks for others that are experiencing those feelings and emotions uh, as I've been there. Um, but what I had to really, uh, focus on is my routine, which I lost because sure. I wasn't going anywhere. So I didn't really change. I, you know, my days, you know, blended together and it was very difficult, as I mentioned, to have that routine, getting up in the morning, doing some tasks, it was very easy to just, for me, to lay on the couch. I shouldn't say it was easy. It was more difficult to get off the couch and find ways to utilize my time rather than become, again, more obsessed with food, weight, and shape because it's kind of, you know, like adding, adding kindling to the fire uh, when you're isolated. And 
I was just so sad, so sad about, you know, the, so many lives lost and, and scared about the future, right. which caused a great deal of anxiety. And I'm sure most of the world is, is dealing with depression and anxiety and what's next. Um, and so I, I turned my thinking to what can I do to help? Yeah. What can I do to help? And uh, so first I had to help myself. Uh, and now I am reaching out via social media and other avenues to connect with others. I think connecting with your support system is critical, critical indeed. Um, but my uh, diagnoses definitely reared, reared their head. And um, again, using those coping skills such as routine and, and thinking, remembering, remembering what I've learned. Uh, but the most important piece, I think, is seeing my provider weekly. And I really, really, my heart breaks for those that don't have that resource. Yeah, and what is your impression of, of how the, the video conference sessions have gone compared to in person? Has that been challenging at all? It was challenging initially, because you're just not, it's just very, it's a very different, um, a very different experience because you're not, you don't have the, should I say body language, yeah. if you will. Uh, and just, it's a different connection meeting in person. So initially it was, it was difficult, but now I'm comfortable with it. Good. Is there anything on your mind that you would like to share that we haven't talked about? Um, Brian, I would just like to, I guess, I would like to provide hope. Because, and again, both from the efficacy of CBT and we're all in this together right now with this pandemic. And we have to band together and fight this together and remember that there is hope. And um, that would be my biggest message. That's an important one, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and for sharing. We really appreciate oh, it. Absolutely. For additional information and links related to this episode, please check the podcast show notes and visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. You've been listening to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota.